Tuesday, May 19th, and we are studying 2 Peter. We're in 2 Peter chapter 2. We're just going to cover two phrases here, one verse. If you get back into the text here or look up at the screen, you'll see in 2 Peter chapter 2, we've had the example and the comparison of the false teachers to Balaam, the prophet who was in it for gain. And we tried to untangle that just from the text in the Old Testament, which can be a bit confusing unless you get the whole of it. And we dealt with a whole interesting, miraculous donkey uh, rebuke. And now, after all of that and the example and the parallel, in verse 17, that's our passage for today. That's all we'll have time for here. It says, these, again, remember we're talking about with that pronoun, we're talking about these false teachers. We've got a lot of they's. They've gone astray. They have followed the way. Um, so, yeah. Here we are. These are waterless springs, interesting phrase, uh, mist driven by a storm. For them, speaking of a storm, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. So we know that they are in this passage here, this phrase here, this sentence here, they're, they're lost. They're not Christians, right? They are, though, presenting themselves to the church as a spring, or as Jude, the parallel passage says, um, the like a cloud, like a rain cloud, which is a great thing in an agrarian society for a farmer seeing the rain clouds coming. It's great, going to water the crops. Um, but in reality, they're waterless and they're mists just driven by a storm, just going here and there. So let's try and understand this in light of what we should be warned about and how we ought to think about our teachers and those we have expositing the word and leading us spiritually. So waterless springs, that's the first thing here, waterless springs. Uh, I mentioned Jude, verse number 12, but let's take a look at it. These are hidden reefs, right? We don't necessarily see them right away. Uh, they're there at your love feast, the potlucks of the church that uh, usually were the um, warm up to the celebration of the Lord's Supper. They feast with you without fear. We've already learned they're very brazen and bold and arrogant. Uh, they're shepherds feeding themselves. More on that here in a second. Waterless clouds, waterless clouds. That's the parallel picture swept along by winds. So the parallel context here is important. And as I said, it's either 2 Peter coming before Jude or Jude coming before 2 Peter, and that's debated. I gave you a little bit of my uh, guess and my educated guess on that. And uh, so let's try and deal with this picture of a waterless spring. What is the image here being created like a cloud that does not bring rain? Well, you go to your teachers, I would hope, to learn good things about God that would affect your spiritual life in a positive way, that would help you grow in your relationship, your intimacy with God, your production of good works, uh, the peace, uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. We want to see more of that aided by the cultivation of the teaching and leadership of your spiritual leaders. And uh, though they claim to be that for you, they're really, in reality, they're waterless. They don't bring to you what you um, would expect. And this picture, which parallels in Jude, the passage that speaks of shepherds feeding themselves, that's the real problem. In other words, why are they not refreshing? Why are they not uh, producing good things in you? Because their focus is, as we've seen in 2 Peter, is selfishness. Uh, the focus is on feeding themselves. And that's how it's put in Ezekiel 34. Look at verse 2. Son of man, that's God speaking to Ezekiel. Prophesy against the shepherds. Right? Our New Testament equivalent is the word pastor or poimen, uh, shepherds, of Israel. They're the teachers. They're the spiritual leaders. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, which make it clear, we're talking about the, the preachers in, in, the, in the land of the Old Testament. 
Thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been, here's the problem, feeding yourselves. This really has been about you and positions of leadership that's all about you. Should not the shepherds feed the sheep? Shouldn't they be all about feeding the sheep, caring about the people? Instead, though, you shepherds, you eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, and you do not feed the sheep. You're in this all for yourself, as we've seen from the very beginning. As long as someone's got money to pay, then they're willing to say what they want to hear. And we see this as a trend throughout church history, and it has reached a fever pitch in our generation, where the false teachers of our day, uh, there couldn't be a more extreme and almost comical example of this uh, eating the fat, clothing themselves in wool. I mean, they're Lear jets they fly around on and, and uh, it's just the, the multiple homes and vacation homes and, and, and uh, just all the things we see as they feed themselves and the message that helps get all of that into their bank account is one that panders to the greed of the people. And that's the warning of our passage in Second Peter. Verse 4 here, Ezekiel 34. Uh, the weak you've not strengthened. Here's what the shepherds should have done. And the sick you have not healed. Of course, the concern of the shepherds of Israel was not miracle working. This is a picture throughout the scripture of fixing their relationship with God, right? The, by, by the coming of Christ that says in Isaiah 53, you will be healed. The point is, these are people that should have fixed what's spiritually wrong and, and broken and hurting in their life. The injured you've not bound up. Again, this is not about being a medical doctor as a prophet in the Old Testament or a preacher in the Old Testament. It's about you fixing spiritually broken people, spiritually injured people, spiritually sick people. Uh, the strayed, people that have fallen away or wandered away from the Lord, you have not brought back. The lost, people that don't know the Lord, you've not sought. You haven't tried to win people over. Uh, with force and harshness, you've ruled them. It's all been about you exercising your authority and that exploitation and the pride as we've seen in Second Peter because you're really in it for yourself. Waterless springs, I'm just trying to provide the example here from Ezekiel 34 as to why they don't provide for the people because they're not trying to provide for the people. They're actually trying to provide for themselves. As Jeremiah says, the problem with caring about yourself and the temporal advantages you have, Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, is that they are forsaking the thing that would help the sheep. They're not feeding the sheep on the truth of God's word. Verse 12, be appalled, O heavens, at this, be shocked and utterly desolate, declares the Lord. In other words, everyone looking on, everyone seeing this from a proper perspective, as I like to say, as they lean over the rails of heaven, looking at the earth, they should be shocked and they should be just desolate, like saying, I can't believe it, they're appalled. For my people have committed two evils. First of all, they've forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and they've hewn out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Well, they have a message going on in Jeremiah in particular, peace, peace, when there is no peace, that preachers would say. Uh, they've got a message to try and help people in their emotions and these temporal promises, but they're really not dealing with the issues. They're not providing the thing that could really satisfy, which is the truth of God's word, which would sometimes sting, but it would also heal but we've got to get back to taking people to the truth. And they don't hewn these things out for themselves. The people digging these cisterns and pointing people to them are the false teachers of the Old Testament, and even so today. So we have a lot of the waterless springs in our day, just like they had in their day. And look at this, a little bit more insight into why they're that way. Second phrase in verse 17, 2 Peter 2, 17, and their mists driven by a storm. 
that kind of moving about, that's very helpful for us to understand. People moving about by the opinions and the polls and what people want and what people think, and they're constantly changing their message to adapt. And that's what we've seen, whether it's uh, the uh, heresies of the early church or the deviation of the medieval church or whether it's the, um, uh, the liberal theology of, um, of the early 1900s, we see people adapting to try and make sure they're uh, in sync with and in step with the culture. And the Pharisees were all about that too. And one of the reasons they were, as we've seen, is they're greedy. The Pharisees, Luke 16, 14, who were lovers of money, heard all these things and they ridiculed them. They didn't like that absolute truth about you need to adapt to the word. They liked the fact that they could get people to adapt to a message that was make-believe and artificial that would give them what they wanted, tell them what they want to hear. And he said to them, you are those who justify yourselves before men. In other words, the measure of your message is all about what people think of it. And if they give you a thumbs up, well then, that's great. That's all you care about. But God knows your hearts. He knows your hearts. And what's the heart here in this passage? They love money. They want their message to be well received so they can have all the advantages that go with the popularity and the adulation and the acclaim of being someone who tells people what they want to hear in the name of God. And then he reminds us this, what is exalted among men, one of the strongest statements here in Christ's teaching in Luke, what is exalted among men, in other words, the things they want, the things that they want you to tell them is an abomination in the sight of God. Now, of course, not everything that's exalted among men is an abomination, but so many things in the context here are the Pharisees who are just trying to pander to the people's base desires and say, you want God and gain? Absolutely, let's give you a message where that all works. You want God and continue on your path and do what you want? I got a message that works for that. And that's why they're mists driven by the storm. They're always going to change. I just want to show this concept of the, the, the adaptability of people. And as we look back, and I won't read all of this in Ephesians chapter 4, but the reasons he established the church with apostles and prophets, and the reason he continues to gift the church with real evangelists and shepherds and teachers, right? Here's the pastor-teacher role, and here is the church planting role, the evangelist role. All of that was to equip the saints, right, to do all these things. But I want to make clear in verse 14 so that the people can grow up, not be children. And here's the phrase, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. And I know I've quoted this in Second Peter already, but what an important passage here. People can be tossed to and fro, but they get there not just on their own, right, they get put out there or taken out there, I should say, by the human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful scheming of who? Well, of the false teachers. The false teachers are those that are luring people off the path of sound doctrine. And in this passage, it's all about that, that, that being blown around by whatever it is that people want to hear. And people, instead of staying firmly established on the truth and the teaching that should come from God's word, and in our case, from New Testament Revelation as well as Old Testament Revelation, all of that is providing and aided by, provided and aided by the false teachers in whatever generation you might be. So the changing, you know, dynamic of what people say, all right, are they saying the same things today they were saying 10 years ago, that they were saying a thousand years ago, that they were saying in the early church 2,000 years ago, we need to get back to that. And he says, for them, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. So obviously these are non-Christians that we're talking about, right? Non-Christians are the ones that in this text are the people that are presenting themselves as Bible teachers. And that's why when Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, his young protege, the pastor of Ephesus, he says, keep a close watch on yourself 
right? Now that starts with all the motives for why you do what you do. And he's gonna deal with this in chapter six. Is that godliness that you're teaching, is it really a means for material gain? No, it's not, right? It is gain if you would be content, he says, with what you have. So keep a close watch on yourselves, which is always really about starting with the motives for why you do what you do, and on the teaching, the doctrine that you're teaching. Be sure you're carefully to, uh, care, giving care to giving a close watch to it and persist in this persist in this endure in this don't change in this be set and established for by doing so you will here's what we want we want saved teachers we want people that are really saved you're going to save both yourself and your hearers now you don't get saved because you teach the right things right you believe and trust in the right things and that's a sign of your salvation and it's a sign of your salvation if you stick to that and you persist in it and it's also something that is going to be the means by which God uses that teaching to save other people and so we want teachers unlike these teachers here that don't even have a right relationship with God uh, they've got a seat that has been reserved or saved right, in the place of gloom and utter darkness, right, which is what hell is, right? It's the absence of everything that is good, including light itself. Now, that's the picture of it into outer darkness, Jesus said. So we know, 2 Timothy chapter 3, as Paul continues, this is a second letter to Timothy, that evil people and imposters are going to go from bad to worse. So there's going to be a lot of options for the false teachers in our day. They're going to be deceiving people, and they're being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing, and I just want to put this down, from whom you've learned it. In Greek, this is a plural here. You've got a lot of people that have taught you this. And from how from childhood, Lois and Eunice, remember mother and grandmother, we had had a clear picture of faithfulness to the truth. Timothy had been taught this. He'd been acquainted with the sacred writings and his mother and grandmother had been faithful to teach it and to live it out, which is able to make you wise for salvation. So we want saved preachers and the preachers are learning even their doctrine by watching people that are giving the truth and living the truth consistently. And that's what he wants for Timothy as well, for him to be someone who keeps a close watch on his life, his motives, his teaching. And that is a clear sign that we're listening to the right teachers. That's why instead of having lost teachers, real teachers should be able to say, because they're not hypocritical when it comes to the truth, hey, be imitators of me. And here's the thing, as I am of Christ, right? We want, that's the kind of teaching we want. Each of you desires, this is, that was 1 Corinthians 11, 1. Here's Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11. And we desire that each one of you show the same earnestness, the same, same as who? To have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish, but be imitators of those, the same as those, imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So we want those faithful pictures of long-term, faithful, persisting, enduring saints that become our examples to say, listen, they didn't deviate, they didn't change, their message didn't change, they weren't looking for the latest new thing, they were faithful to the text of Scripture. And we could go on, but there's so many examples of this which the false teachers don't like to often put out there. I urge you, be imitators of me, 1 Corinthians 4.16. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have on us. Right? Keep your eye on me. Keep your eye on them. There's the pattern. There's the example. We don't want people that are hypocritical. We want people that are teaching the truth and living the truth as imperfectly as all your teachers do. We want that level and that pattern of faithfulness. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 1, 6, You became imitators of us and of the Lord. There's the connection much like 1 Corinthians 4, 16, it's the pattern of being faithful to God. And it's not about gain, personal gain, for you receive the word in much affliction with joy in the Holy Spirit. We have joy, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians, 1 Timothy chapter 6, not because we have material things around us, whether it's health or prosperity, those kinds of things, wealth. It's about being right 
rightly related to God and being faithful to His Word, even if it causes much affliction, which it did. Philippians chapter 4, a prison epistle, of course, Paul is in prison. He said, what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you, even though it's a peace that surpasses all of your circumstances and all understanding of people looking at you, even in the midst of lack or little. We know the secret of contentment. It's about being faithful to God's word. So again, this is all about us identifying the false teachers. Uh, they promise something they don't deliver, which is a closer relationship with God, and they themselves are lost. Lost. Pick your spiritual leaders carefully. Be sure you sit under leaders that are teaching the Word of God faithfully, who don't deviate, who aren't developing their theology based on polls or every wind of the opinions of the world, every wind of doctrine or teaching that comes down the pike. And this is a good reminder for us. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 17. Be sure to subscribe. We'll be back tomorrow as we continue our study through 2 Peter chapter 2. Thank you.